Amen. You know, I was thinking, I was thinking this week, the realities of life. The realities of life are this. We were all born, whether we like it or not, with a limited reach. And we spend much of this life trying to figure out clever ways in which to increase our reach. We do that at work. That's not OSHA approved, is it? No, that's not. not. We do that at work. We do that out in the yard. How about some redneck engineering? Come on. I'm a rednecks. We do it. Well, actually, our pets even try to increase their reach. And yes, my two sons, when they were little, they tried to increase their reach as well. Oh, kids. Kids, kids, kids. Hey, we're in week three of our series we're calling Refuse to Settle. Why is it that we're so prone to settle for less than what we're called to? See, I think one of the reasons we settle, it's, it's, it's not because of our limited reach. What do I mean? God didn't shortchange you on your reach. Your spiritual reach was God-given. Romans 12, 3 says you were given a measure of faith. Whatever God called you to accomplish in this life, he's equipped you with enough faith to do it. Don't pray for more faith. Pray that you would use the faith that is sleepy, that is dormant, the faith that you already have. The problem isn't with our reach. The problem lies with something within our reach. There's something within your reach and my reach that stops us dead in our tracks. It impedes us. It paralyzes us if we allow it. You know what that something is? Risk. Risk. You see, every reach must navigate its risk. And that, my friends, is where your reach goes to die. Because we can sing about it all day long. Talking about risk in the ocean. You know, it sounds so beautiful when we sing it. But how many know Christians don't always actually risk the ocean? Sometimes we, we, we settle for the safety of shore. Because we, we're too afraid to really step out and trust God. Because if we actually navigate the ocean, then... God's going to have to show up or we're in big trouble. And we'd rather not test that. And so we'd just rather stay on the nice, comfortable shoreline, never reaching for what God called us to reach for. Christopher Columbus said, you can never cross the ocean until you have the courage to lose sight of the shore. And I wonder if God's not calling us today to lose sight of the shore, to step out and risk the ocean. Here's the, here's the message Here's the title. It's what God called me to say and what God is asking us to do. Risk your reach. There is a God-given reach that only you can accomplish, only you can achieve. It's specific to you and to your DNA, to your blueprint, to the call that's on your life. It requires risking our reach. Will you do that today? We're going to look at a, Mark chapter 5. We're going to go back. Last week we talked about this story of, of Jairus. Remember Jairus fell at Jesus' feet 
And he said, look, man, my, he, and by the way, Jairus was a temple leader there in Capernaum. And, and, and so he's a kind of a big wig, right? And he, and he falls at Jesus' feet and says, look, my 12-year-old daughter, man, she's dying. Will you come back and, and, and lay your hands on her and heal her? And so they, they bolt. They're going back to, to Jairus' house. Well, if you remember from last week, on the way to Jairus' house, they were interrupted by a woman. A woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. She had a, a menstrual cycle that never ceased. For 12 years, she was bleeding. For 12 years, she went to doctors. It didn't get better. It got worse. And we're going to see a girl. We're going to examine that story this week. We're going to look at a girl who, amidst all the persecution, amidst all the, the consequences, she would risk her reach as she reaches out to Jesus. Mark chapter 5, verse 24. So Jesus went with him, that's Jairus. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all that she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. And I just have to pause because I think someone's in that place today. You're watching online, you're here today, and you're just like, you know what, I've tried this. I've tried to get healing. I've tried to seek medical. You're in a place where you feel like you've just gotten worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and, 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 you, and yet you ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see what had, who, who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at, the feet, at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, daughter. Your faith, your reach has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Lord, thank you that you, you stopped and you felt the pain of this woman and you didn't want her to settle for less than which she was called and really through your sovereignty, God, you orchestrated the whole moment. I just thank you that you're orchestrating our lives. I pray that we would have the faith that she had, that we would risk our reach just like she did, and that we would experience the freedom that's on the other side of that reach. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so you have to take yourself back to this time. If you read Leviticus chapter 15, a very boring chapter, I don't recommend it for devotion, but according to Levitical law, the law of that time, this woman would be considered unclean. If there's a discharge of blood until that ceased, you would be considered unclean, which means she could, wherever she sat, wherever, uh, you know, she slept, would be considered unclean. If she touched a person, that person would become unclean. If she literally spit on someone, that person would be unclean from her spit. And to make matters worse, in that culture, if someone was unclean, you had the right to announce, unclean! when she walked in. Yeah, wow. 
Imagine that. Like if, if you walked into church today and, and, and someone's shouting your sin. And not that that was a sin, but I'm just saying like it's kind of like the equivalent. Like if you, if you did something stupid or you cut somebody off and flipped on the bird. Like anger, you know, or you lied on your income tax. Thief, cheat, you know. I, I mean, imagine that for, for 12 years, bearing the weight of that. She was a social leper. She couldn't shop because if she touched money, it would be unclean. She couldn't go to church or the synagogue because she was unclean. She couldn't hang out with family because it would make them unclean. Imagine going 12 years without a hug. Put yourself in this girl's position. She was a social leper. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. 12 years of doctor visits, 12 years of medicine, 12 years of maybe this will fix it, only to be heartbroken. 12 years and now she's broke. And here comes Jesus. Now she knows it's a crime against, it's against Levitical law. It would be a crime to reach out and touch him. But I think he could heal me. And so she risks it all. She risks being ostracized even further. She risks maybe even her life by reaching out to Jesus. Here's truth number one. Limitations. Lengthen your reach. Limitations are allowed by God for the purpose of lengthening our reach. Now you say, wait a second, Pastor John. I thought you said that we were born with a reach that's long enough. Well, I'm not talking about physically, it, it, you know, lengthening your reach. I'm talking about the God-given potential that is dormant. God didn't increase what was never there. He exposed what was always there. And he uses limitations to do that. A lot of us, we think we're T-Rexes. We look at ourselves as T-Rex. Like, I can't do that. I can't accomplish that. I mean, Moses could because he's a man of God, right? But I can't do it. And God's saying, you have no idea. And I'm going to use a, a, a limitation to lengthen your reach. But, but some of you, you're asking like, hey, well, hold up. Like, I feel like I've had this limitation for quite some time. The length of time sometimes is, is kind of hard to deal with. Any, anybody there today, you feel like you've experienced a limitation and it's been, it's been a while, right? It's been a minute. And you're like, okay, God, why would you allow this limitation for so long? The answer is hidden in the text. I don't know if you caught it. Let's go back to the text. How, how long, how long did 12 years? 12 years she had an issue of blood. Now, Remember this story, like we talked about last week, if you didn't, didn't, if you weren't here last week, go back and watch the video. But you'll see that this story is connected, this happens in the middle of another story. And the story that it's connected to is Jairus and his daughter. His daughter's sick and dying. How old did the Bible say his daughter was? Hmm. Must be a coincidence. Twelve years old. So why would Mark go through all the trouble to include fact that it was 12 years that she was bleeding and that the daughter happened to also be. So, so in other words, the, the day that Jairus' daughter was born was the day that that woman started bleeding. Coincidence? I don't think so. There's no coincidences with God. 
And so we go back to the Bible and say, well, what does 12 mean? We keep seeing this 12 theme. There's no accident, no coincidence. What does 12 mean biblically? Answer, 12 symbolizes God's power and God's completeness. God's power and God's completeness. Jacob, how many sons did Jacob have? Answer, 12. There you go. How many uh, tribes of Israel? 12. In the temple, there was 12 unleavened cakes of bread placed every week. Jesus, to, to launch Christianity through the ancient world, he called how many disciples? 12, to powerfully and completely launch the gospel. During the great tribulation, the, the tribulation, if you're new to the faith, after we're raptured, there's this thing called the tribulation at seven years. Well, the second half of the tribulation, the three and a half years on the backside, is called the great tribulation. It's going to get crazy, right? But the Bible says that during the great tribulation, 144,000 Israelites will come to Jesus. That's 12,000 for each tribe. There's that number 12 again. The New Jerusalem, after Satan is loosed, or he's locked up in the lake of fire, right? He's locked up. There's Revelation 21, a new heavens and a new earth. And part of the new heavens and the new earth is this New Jerusalem. You'll never guess how many gates there'll be in that new, how many pearly gates there'll be in, in that new city. You guessed it, 12. Oh, and by the way, the walls, interestingly enough, the walls of that city will be 144 cubits high. That's 12 times 12. How big is the city? 12,000 furlongs square. Do you get my point? Here's what God's saying. He's saying, he's trying to remind this woman that there is power in her reach. I know it's been a long time. I just talked to someone who, who buried their husband this past year, and it's hard. But she was, she was literally at the door. She's one of our greeters, and she's greeting people. The same hand that greeted people today was the same hand a year ago that buried her husband. But she's not whining about it. She's not crying about it. She's saying, you know what? There's power when I reach out to people and shake their hand. There's power in your reach. And there's also completeness. Completeness. I'm not talking about Jerry Maguire. You complete me. I'm not talking about that kind of completeness. I'm talking about completeness from the most high God. That the he who began a good work is faithful to carry it on to completion until the time of Christ Jesus, our Lord. He ain't done with you. It's 12 years. I know it's a long time. And, and, and it hurts. And sometimes you're like, God, really? 12 years? But God says, oh, girl, I'm doing something in your life. People are going to talk about, why are we talking about it today? We're talking about it today because she had the guts to risk her reach. I pray that we have the guts to do that as well. See, I think a lot of us, we settle for, for so much less. Anybody been to Fuddruckers? I went there over by the mall for the first time, and I was going out of the restroom, and I saw this picture, or I, I took this picture. And I think a lot of us, instead of reaching for the, the big boy handle, we settle for the little, little, with our little T-Rex arm, the kid's handle. God's lengthening our reach. God's using your limitation to lengthen your reach. God's using your arguments, your health issue, your financial mishaps, your in-laws. He'll use it all to lengthen your reach. He's using teenagers for me. I got four teenagers. <sighs> Woo! Thank you, Jesus. He's lengthening my reach, man. You know, it's funny because they grow up and then they get real wise. You know what I'm saying? Like, like 
I got, I got some, some, some teenagers starting to give me marriage advice. I got, I got like a Dr. Phil in the house. Got real smart. Shoot, I've been married 27 years and they can't make it 27 days without a tardy. And they're going to give me advice. The funny thing about, the funny thing about, I, I, I'm kind of just playing, but not really. Um, so the funny thing about teens, and this is for anybody who's got teens, let me, let me help you understand this, is that they're seeking independence while being dependent. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to be independent, but I don't really want to pay the bills. You know, that whole thing. So, so one of the rules in the Lipinski house is if you're under a roof, you have to turn on 360, Life 360, so we can stalk you and know where you're at. And uh, I got one of them, well, actually, two of my kids were like, that's stupid, Dad. You know, well, you know, I'm going to shut it off. I said, you can shut it off, but I ain't paying for your phone. You got like 27 payments of 32.50 left for that nice iPhone 14. And so, you know what I did? I said, you better turn it back on. Or I'm going to, you know what I did? I ain't going to lie to you. Those little devils. I'm kidding. So, one of them wouldn't turn it back on. You know what I did? I went on to online and I shut that sucker down. I shut all the, all the, all the service off to it. Yeah, all the parents are clapping. Yeah, the parents are like, ah Don't be spoiling those kids. And so, I literally limited, I created a, a limitation Instagram was insta-gone. Mm-hmm. TikTok was no talk. Snapchat was just snap because there wasn't no chatting going on, if you know what I mean. But here's the funny thing. Can you see the similarities between parenting and the way God parents us? He allows limitations, God-ordained, God-sent limitations to lengthen our reach. That's exactly what he's been doing as, with us as a church. How crazy it, crazy that we have about 1,300 people on a weekend and yet we have no building. In the church world, we call that a limitation. So people, we talk to people all the time, they're like, wait, wait, what, what, wait, what? God's doing, what? You're doing, I said, God's doing some crazy stuff, right? We don't have a building. They're like, you don't have a building. I said, no, we don't have a building. So, Quick, quick update on the land. Uh, so we, if back in November, uh, we entered our due diligence on, on some 16-acre parcel on Perryville and Cactus. And during that due diligence, we found out that um, there was some infrastructure that would be needed at our expense, a road that we would need to, to, to pave and, and other uh, improvements that we would have to make at our expense. Could be upwards, close, close to $2 million. And we found there's fiber optic table uh, fiber, fiber optic cable uh, underneath the land, so there's an easement issue as well. So we backed out. Now, there could be a collective sigh of, ah, or God's lengthening our reach. And I, and I believe wholeheartedly, that, by the way, we sold the other land. We've got $5.1 million in the bank, drawing interest every day, waiting for land to open up or, or maybe a big box, right, a store that could go out of business and all of a sudden instead of a two-year building process, it could be six months and we're in a building. I don't know what God's doing, full, full disclosure, but I trust him completely and I know that he's allowing this limitation to lengthen our reach. Amen?
And by the way, if there's a building meeting today after, 15 minutes after, if you want to know more about that, uh, 15 minutes after, we'll have a, a building meeting in here. But, but I think, so, so as I was praying for you this week, I, I saw somebody who, in the midst of their limitation, a God-ordained limitation, I saw your face. And it was like there was tears coming down. And it was like your heart was literally like, was broken. Let me, this is, this is kind of what I saw as best as I can describe it. So you're, you're, you're like a strong, sturdy, you know, pencil. And, and, and you felt pressure, you felt weight, you felt a limitation. And you feel like God just broke you. I, I want to I want to tell you that God breaks us oftentimes to place us. God breaks us to place us. This pencil, I did this at home, and then I took the two pieces. Let me get a shot of this. I took the two pieces and I sharpened them. That's the same pencil. God's placing us. He breaks us to place us for greater impact. Before, it was one writing device. Now, you've just doubled your impact by being placed through breaking. I know you don't want to be broken. I know it sucks, man, but like that is the way oftentimes God works. He, he breaks us to place us. Friends, what was it that put the woman at the feet of Jesus? What was it? We, we, we think that it was her faith but the Bible says your faith, it was your faith that healed you. I don't think it was her faith that placed her there. I think it was 12 years of breaking. Because would she have gone year one? I think she was still interested in the doctors and trying to figure out a, a natural way to heal this. Year two, year three. But by year 12, by 12 years of breaking, she got to the point where like, I I'm going to risk it. I'm desperate. And desperation, the world looks at desperation as weakness. God looks at desperation as preparation. Whoo! He's preparing you for one heck of a reach where you're willing to, to incur the risk that it takes to step into the place God has for you. He's preparing us. And I want to point out, some of you are in a season of breaking. There is a difference. There is a difference between the world's breaking and God's breaking. You know what the difference is? The, the world breaks from the outside. The world will break you. Maybe the, maybe the world will label you what you are or what you're not. Or maybe they'll, they'll say a lie about you. Or, or maybe they'll lure you. First John 2.16 talks about the, the pride of life. The lust of the flesh. See, that's an outside breaking. And, and can God use that? Yes, he can. But one of the ways you can tell when God's doing a work, most often he will break us from within. An internal breaking. She bled from within. And you say, well, I'm not bleeding. Are you sure? Maybe your heart is bleeding over a relationship that's gone wrong or a kid that, that's gone wayward. 
or a prayer that has gone unanswered. Maybe your heart is, is bleeding. Maybe that's like you felt like you have a sucker punch right to the gut and you can barely breathe. God allows the breaking from the inside. Now see, the, the purpose of the world, the breaking is, is to steal something, like your, maybe your identity, right? The world breaks from the outside and tries to steal something. God breaks from the inside and tries to birth something. What do I mean? Romans 1.20, through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities. Did you know, did you know that you can see God through creation? Yeah, let me, let me illustrate this. This cost me like $17 for this illustration. Because <laughs> that's the price of eggs in case you haven't been to the store. Good night, for the love of God. Somebody better come to Jesus after this illustration. So this, this egg, where it breaks changes everything. You see, if it's broken from the outside during the 21, just, 21 day gestation period for a baby chick, what happens? Chick doesn't make it, dies, represents death. But if the egg is broken from the inside, we get this. Right? Where it breaks makes all the difference and God is breaking us from the inside to do a work to place us. So, so we experience limitation. That limitation, it, it breaks us, it breaks us. So as to place us at the feet of Jesus where we can receive 12, we can receive power and completeness so as to Increase our reach. Amen? You receive that? Someone, someone needs to know that there's, there's, there's purpose in the breaking. So another reason we settle, for, um, we, we settle for less is that we think that our reach has to be refined. We live in a world where you got to be, everything's just got to be right. Everything's got to be perfect. You got to look a certain way. You got to act a certain way. You got to have it all together, right? Well, not with God. You see, it's funny, we read the story and, and, and uh, we see Jesus say, your faith healed you. And we automatically think, wow, this girl was a rock star. She must have had great faith. Did she? Let's look in verse 27. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. What's up with that? I'll tell you what's up with that. That was, it's called superstition. She was being influenced by the paganistic society around her. There was this superstition that if I touched the clothes of someone, that power could be transferred through the clothes. Now, is that biblical? Well, technically, it did happen. Acts 19, Paul's, there were some handkerchiefs that um, touched Paul, and they were able to take those handkerchiefs and heal people. So God can do that. But does that mean you should jump online and, and, and you know, buy these handkerchiefs for $29.99 that have been anointed by Pastor so-and-so? I wouldn't. And, and it, here's why. Because God wants you to give you your anointing. You can go directly to the boss. You want, you want, you want a blessing? You want an anointing? You want, you want, in, you, you want God to do a, a work in your life? 
cut out the middleman. Go right to the boss. He'll hear you. And, but see, her reach was, was filled with superstition, but not just superstition. There's more. Let's read on. She, she came and fell at the feet, trembling with fear. So now we got superstition. We got fear. We ain't done. And then told him the whole truth, implying that she was lying by omission previously. So we got, in case you're, you're slow today, we got superstition. We got fear. We got lie all contained in her reach. Here's what I'm saying. An imperfect reach can produce a perfect result. And all God's people said, amen. Because I don't know about you, but like, I ain't perfect. Sorry to shatter your view. But like, now, I'm not condoning if you're in a struggle. Don't stay in that struggle, you know. It's okay not to be okay, but it's not okay to stay not okay. I'm not saying that. That's settling. But what I'm saying is that we can approach God with boldness knowing that he meets us where we're at and that God can use. Sometimes I feel like I'm lifting up a broken hallelujah. How many know that God uses broken hallelujahs to do great things, to change the kingdom of God? And that should give us all peace. What was the perfect result? Well, what did she come for? Why did she come to Jesus? For healing. But she got more than she bargained for, didn't she? You see, she came for healing, but then Jesus says, daughter, let that sink in, daughter, your faith has healed you. So not only was she healed, that's what she came for. She came for healing, but daughter implies she's saved. She came for healing, she got salvation. She came for a fix, and God gave her a family. Whoo! See, if you don't know Jesus, your greatest need in this life is not food. It's not water. Your greatest need, if you don't know Jesus, is salvation. And he said, I know where you're coming here. Not only will I meet that need, but I'll meet a bigger one. You see, the lie is that we, that we can't come to Jesus because we'll make Jesus dirty. That's the lie that Satan wants you to believe. That, that's the lie the world wants you to believe. If You can't come to the cross because you'll make the cross and everything it stands for dirty. Friends, you don't understand the cross. The cross is all about a God who came to earth, not that so that we would make him dirty, but through his righteousness, he would make us clean. His righteousness becomes our righteousness. And so when God looks at us, he doesn't see our flaws. He doesn't see our failures. He doesn't see our screw-ups. You know what he sees? His righteousness. He sees Troy, his son, in whom he is well-pleased. He sees Brittany, his daughter, who's, who's got a reach bigger than she even knows. He sees Josh, a man who's, he's not finished with yet. He's working on completion. And it's coming. You ain't going to make Jesus dirty. He's going to make you clean. Because God didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. He wants to birth something in us. Amen. Corey Ten Boom. Some of you know Corey Ten Boom. She was a, a Dutch watchmaker who, who lived in the Netherlands during the Holocaust of World War II. If you read her book, The Hiding Place, you'll feel, you'll realize that she had a lot of issues. She had a lot of challenges in her life. 
She probably thought, what difference can I make? Well, she made a difference. But to do so, she would have to risk her reach. You see, her family owned the watchmaking business and what they did, they would take bricks through the belly of a grandfather clock secretly into their house so that the Gestapo wouldn't see them. And they, they would build a, a false wall in a room, two feet by eight feet. And it was in that room, built by Corey and her family, they would, that trap door at the bottom of the closet, they would sneak Jewish people in there so as to escape to freedom and avoid the gas chambers of the Nazi regime. Worked like a charm for four years. Saved many lives until February 28th of 1944 when someone tipped off the Gestapo and they came in and they arrested everyone. Everyone except for the six people, six Jews who they could not find hidden behind that false wall. They made it to safety. But that wasn't the case for Corey and her family. They were immediately shipped off to concentration camps where 10 days later, Corey's father, Casper, died. Nine months later, Corey's sister, Betsy, died of starvation. It was a clerical error that allowed Corey to be freed. You say, but man, she lost a lot. Was, was that worth the risk? Was it worth it? I mean, she lost her, her father. She lost her sister. I mean, it was worth it to Corey. And it was worth it to the 800 Jewish lives that were saved. And here's what she would later write. She said, I have learned to hold all things loosely so God will, have to, will not have to pry them out of my hands. And therein, friends, lies the secret to risk. Hold loosely to that which God has given you. Hold loosely. Why? How will that help me risk? Well, when you hold loosely, when you've surrendered that which we covet so much, that which we hold in such high regard, our family, our friends, our loved ones, maybe a possession, when, when you release that, you can't lose what you've already surrendered. The moment you surrender that to Jesus, it's no longer a loss. I, I think she held loosely to her, to her father, Casper. I think she held loosely to Betsy. I think she held loosely to her own life so that if her life was taken, it was worth the risk because you can't lose what's already been surrendered to God. That woman, she surrendered her reputation. She surrendered her pride. She surrendered what might happen to her and risked it all. And, and if God calls you to risk, you risk. But sometimes God's quiet. So what happens if, if you're on the precipice of trying to, to initiate this risk and you're like, I don't hear God's voice on this. What do I do, Pastor John, in the absence of, of, of clarity? How do you measure risk? You ask yourself this question. Can I live with the worst possible outcome of this risk? 
But be careful, be careful, be careful, be careful. Because we naturally think of that as initiating an action. But risk is also inaction. Can I live with the worst possible thing that can happen to me if I reach out to Jesus, being ostracized, being held accountable under Levitical law? Can I deal with that? And simultaneously, she's, she's thinking, but can I deal with not reaching for Jesus? Can I deal with year number 13? There doesn't have to be year number 13 if we reach. Are you willing to risk it all? The biggest risk will be the one you don't take. I'm not telling you to be stupid and to, to, to do something dumb and blame it on me or, or, or God. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about through the path of obedience, through actually getting beyond ourself and our quaint little perfect life where everything's perfect, where all the bills just happen to be magically paid. And, and if they're not, don't worry, we got a credit card for that. Like, at what point do we step out and say, you know what, I'm going to exercise a little faith, God. This is scary. Like, I don't want to risk the ocean. I don't want to, I don't know what your risk is. I don't know what he's speaking to you. But like, at what point do we get sick and tired of being sick and tired? And we just say, you know what, you're worth it. It was worth it to the woman, but, but I don't want to be reading about somebody else's faith. Like, I want to write a chapter of faith. I want to uh, write a chapter uh, of risk where I did something that people will talk about long after I'm dead and gone. Why are we talking about her? Why? Because she had the guts to risk her reach. And I just wonder if you've got the guts to risk yours. So I'll close by saying, asking one last question. Is your reach being held hostage by your risk? I ask that for myself. What's your reach? For some of you, maybe God's calling you to step into a new level of parenting. I'm working on that. <laughs> maybe for somebody else, God's calling you to lay down that issue, that issue that you've been struggling with for many years. Maybe for somebody to live out the call that's on your life. You know you're called for more. And yet you know in your heart you settle for so much less. Maybe it's to serve. Maybe it's to lead a group. Maybe it's to, to, to go to the women's event on, on February 4th. But I don't like going to those women events. And God said, no, you need to be there. Because he's going to do something. I don't know. Like Maybe it's to trust God again. Maybe it's to love again. Or maybe your reach is to forgive. I don't know what it is for you, but I'm challenging you as someone who loves you and prays for you daily. Risk your reach. Let's pray. For some of you, that risk starts right now. If I'm preaching to you today, if I'm talking to you, whether online or whether here in person today, if you're like, you know what, that's me. That message was for me today. I need to risk my reach. I need to risk it. I want to just throw up your hand right now because I want to pray for you. Pray for you. That's, if that's you, amen, amen, amen. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your honesty. Lord, I just thank you for every hand that's gone up, every person that is on the verge 
of risking their reach. God, we vacillated back and forth and back and forth, and the accuser whispers lies about what we are and what we're not. We believe, we've bought into false identities about ourselves. God, we lay it all down. We say that you're enough. In the same way that that woman said, I think you're enough, we say you are enough today to risk it all. Whatever that means, big or small, God, I pray that we would be people of faith that would exercise what has been asleep for many of us and say, you know what, today is going to be a day that I'm going to talk about. It's the beginning of a new chapter in my life. I'm writing this story, and it begins with this reach. I pray that we would have the guts and the fortitude to risk it and to say, you have to show up because we can't do it apart from you. That's a great place to be. It's a place of desperation. I pray blessing, protection, and favor over each person that is stepping into their risk, that's owning their risk and activating their reach. Be with them in Jesus' name. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you don't know Jesus, that's the greatest decision you could ever make. If you're watching online or here today and you say, you know what, I want to know Jesus. I want to know like that woman where she would spend eternity. If that's you and you haven't made Jesus your Savior, you can, you can do so by simply praying this prayer. Say, Jesus, I want to be with you. I believe you saved me. You died on that cross for me. And so I'm running to you today, Jesus. Thank you for seeing greatness in me and for welcoming me into the family of God. Thank you for dying for me. Use me to do something magnificent in this life and help me not settle for less. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's welcome them to the family of God. Come on. That never gets old, y'all. Never gets old. Well, listen, if you made that decision, we have a free gift we'd love to give you. Stop at our connect counter on the way out. We'll give you a little gift. Also. Our prayer partners, all two of them, (laughs) come on up here, you two. We're here. We will, we will, if you need prayer, we are a family. We are better together. We're stronger together. We have our prayer team, and and I'll stay and pray with y'all. But listen, when you walk out today, you walk out refusing to settle, risking your reach, trusting that God will show up and do something mighty and powerful in your life. Powerful and completing a completing work in your life. Amen? Amen. God bless, guys. Have a great week.